when you are trying to cut back on drinking, if you're like, uh, this is not good for me, even if you don't drink a ton, where you're like, this is a bad habit, it's getting too important to me, I don't like waking up in the middle of the night, I'm tired, I don't love how I look, and you try to stop, and it is hard to break that habit because of the society we live in and the substance working is designed, and you get into the habit of quitting on yourself, of saying, forget it, it's not worth it, I was overreacting, this, everyone drinks, this isn't a big deal, I deserve it. And you get in the habit of not doing what you said you were going to do, and that can damage your confidence. Hey, midlifers, welcome to the Midlife Makeover Show. Are you ready to break free from your mundane midlife? Are you feeling trapped in a vicious cycle of rinse and repeat days? No matter if you're experiencing a divorce hangover, job burnout, or you just have the midlife blues, I got you. Hey, I'm Wendy, your hostess of the Midlife Mostess. I too was hit by midlife like a freight train. I too felt stuck in the same dull chapter. I wanted the clarity of how to create a new life beyond divorce and the courage to leave an unfulfilling career. But I kept telling myself that I wasn't worthy and it was just easier to stay in my comfort zone until I found a little secret, the freedom to live my life my way. In this podcast, you will learn how to achieve a vibrant midlife mind and body, how to create solid relationships through love and loss, and how to create an awesome second half of life. Grab your grande latte, pop in your earbuds, and let's get this midlife party started. Are there sights, sounds, or smells that remind you of a past traumatic event, causing you to fight, flight, or freeze? These physical and emotional responses are called triggers, and they happen to all of us. Triggers can be tricky, but the key is to stop the trigger in its tracks and turn the trigger into a treasure. Just like Dr. Nicole LaPera said, there's nothing negative about being triggered. It's a calling to heal our wounds. To help you heal those wounds, I created a free download called the Trigger to Treasure Technique, where you will learn the four steps on how to identify your triggers, how to control your triggers, and how you can move past your past so you can live peacefully in the present moment. Please go to wendyvalentine.com forward slash trigger to receive your free download, and you can begin to turn your triggers into treasures. Welcome back to the Midlife Makeover Show, everyone. Today is the first day of February, and many of you may have made New Year's resolutions, and hopefully they're still going strong. Some of you may have started a new fitness routine, woohoo! added more veggies into your diet, I did, or maybe you took part in dry January by going alcohol-free, good for you. I mentioned on a previous show that only 9% of Americans that make New Year's resolutions actually complete them. Shocking. In fact, research goes on to show that 23% of people quit their New Year's resolutions by the end of the first week of January, and 43% quit by the end of January. And why is that? Why do you think we throw in the towel so dang early? Why do we not give ourselves the chance to be happier and healthier in life. More importantly, 
How do we start again and make our New Year's habits stick? Answers to those questions will be answered during today's episode with today's special guest, Casey McGuire Davidson. Casey is a life and sobriety coach and the host of the top 100 You Go Girl mental health podcast, the Hello Someday podcast for sober, curious women with over, y'all listen to this, 1.3 million downloads. As an ex-red wine girl who spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while holding on tightly to her love of wine, Casey's passionate about helping busy women stop drinking and create lives they love without alcohol. It's all very possible. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, NBC News, and over 100 sobriety, motherhood, mental health, and wellness podcasts and publications. Everyone, welcome Casey to the show. Thank you so much. I realize that's a long intro. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I had to add in my stuff, you know. All right, great. <laughs> Y'all, it's like we have been, Casey and I have been chatting for like at least 20 minutes. We've been talking about so many good, good things. You are such an angel. Did you did you ever think that you were going to do this? Like it when, Never. Like in the back of your mind, did you ever think, I'm going to become a podcaster and change lives? And did you ever think that? Never, never. I, um, well, first of all, quitting drinking was literally my worst case scenario in life. I loved drinking so much and it was a huge part of my identity. All my friends drank, my husband and I drank together. We talked about, I used to go to wine tasting weekends for every single anniversary around the world. And so I certainly never thought that I would become alcohol-free. I never thought I'd become a coach for women wanting to quit drinking. But I also think that the the drinking I was doing was because I wasn't in love with what I was doing with my career. It really stressed me out. Mm -hmm. Um, It was very high pressure. And I think that was one reason I drank at the end of the day to turn off my mind, to alleviate my anxiety. And we'll talk about it. That is um, the opposite of what it does. But I really needed to stop drinking in order to have the confidence and just the mental space and bandwidth to do something else with my life. Mm hmm. Yeah, it can be a a good excuse to uh, like, oh, I had a stressful day. I need this or (laughs) right or I need or I'm going to a party. I don't like social situations. I need I deserve it. Everyone drinks. It's no big deal. And the issue sometimes is not so much that you've done anything bad, but Mm. you have all these nights and weeks and months just slipping through your fingers because you're operating at, you know, 75% or 50% of what you could be. Yes, exactly. And I don't think it, you know, give me your opinion too. It's not like you have to be at a certain level. Like you have to be like, you know, uh, completely smashed every night. Maybe if it's just one or two glasses of wine and you feel like if there's that gut feeling of like, okay, that's just too much. I can't, I can't keep doing that. Like you have to listen to that whisper from your soul and from your body, like, Hey, like enough's enough. So it's not like if if anyone out there listening, you're like, Oh my gosh, no, that's not me. I'm not like have a drinking problem. And maybe it's not a problem per se. It's just like, okay, this is just, isn't good for my body. 
Yeah. And one of the things that I really encourage women to do is to approach this with excitement and curiosity as a wellness challenge, as a health challenge, as a habit and behavior change, and to also not just try to cut back. So to take Mm. a longer period of time away from alcohol for physical reasons, for habitual, for emotional reasons, Mm -hmm. I recommend a hundred days and you will notice the difference in your life. You will notice Mm -hmm. you are happier and less anxious and have more time and energy to do more. You have more capacity, but it doesn't happen if you are just trying to cut back and then your reward for not drinking is drinking. Yep. Yeah, exactly. What are some of the uh, physical and emotional effects that alcohol has on your body? Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's interesting is, look, I drank a bottle of wine a night unless I was white knuckling it and trying not to. And that Mm. happens to a lot of women, right? It starts with a glass or two and the substance itself is addictive And so it tends to get heavier over time. Mm. But even if you have whatever the quote unquote recommended amount, which by the way is changing of one drink a night for women, two for men, or um, seven a week, it does significantly affect your body. So Mm. a single glass of wine a night reduces your sleep quality by 39%, which is incredible. It really acts as both a depressant, which is why you feel relaxed. It spikes your dopamine. So it's a depressant and a stimulant, Mm -hmm. but when it leaves your body, it's like you're driving through mud. So you want to maintain a consistent speed. Your body does, you hit the mud, meaning the Mm -hmm. alcohol hits your bloodstream and your body hits the gas. And when it leaves your bloodstream, a lot of times at 3 a.m., 2 a.m., you wake up with this racing heart and this anxiety and you don't sleep well. So the first thing is sleep Yeah, that impacts you. Yeah. This, and I, oh, go, go ahead. I was just going to say sleep is so important. I, I had a, um, a sleep coach on the show not too long ago. And it's like, if I mean, I know for me, if I don't get a good night's sleep, forget it. Like I can't speak. I can't, I can't write. Yeah. I can't do anything. So sleep is so important. So just that alone. So I'm glad you started with that. So yes, go on. Well, no, the other thing it does is it spikes your dopamine and Mm -hmm. um, messes up with your serotonin. So that's your happy hormone and what regulates your mood Mm -hmm. and your body naturally then suppresses both. And what that does is It is not your imagination if you have experienced that you are less happy and more irritated when you are not drinking. Mm -hmm. You are, but it is because of the alcohol you've been consuming. So it takes about 30 days for your dopamine levels to reset. And what people will notice is, and my clients tell me this all the time, one, they're starting to get these breakthroughs of joy. Mm -hmm. It feels like everything's in technicolor once you get past the first three weeks. And it's like their eyes are opening for the first Mm -hmm. time in forever. They're more peaceful. Their lives are less chaotic. And it is because this substance is leaving your body. Mm, Interesting. 
It brings more clarity. Yeah. And, cre- and creativity too. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. And the other thing it does is alcohol is like pouring gasoline on anxiety. And a lot of us drink because we yeah. think it relaxes us and yep. it spikes your cortisol. So literally mm-hmm. your nervous system is working in this fight or flight system all the time. So those, I mean, even better than that, your skin looks better. Your eyes mm-hmm. are brighter. You will lose bloating in your face, in your stomach. So, so many benefits. And yet, even when we know that we're like, but I need it, but I love it. But all of these fears, I, I won't, I'll be bored. I'll be boring. I won't be able to go out with my friends. I won't be able to connect with my partner. And a lot of that is because we have been brainwashed and conditioned to believe that our entire lives. Yep. Yeah, that basically, if you want to have fun, then you have to drink. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not true. I mean, I have a lot of fun. And yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of fun without it. And you need to experience a period of time without it to sort of disprove those beliefs. But I have to say the first couple of weeks are difficult, which Mm. I think contributes to New Year's resolutions that are hard to keep going because you get to week two, you're sort of in the worst time of withdrawal and anxiety around day four or five cravings really spike. And that's because Mm. you're not drinking and it, you know, you need to get past that in order to have a longer period of time and actually experience the benefits. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. Well, your body gets used to it. Like it's, it's part of it. Like it's, it's part of its diet. So it's like, okay, where is it? And then if it's not getting it, it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And you really do crave what you consume. You know, you'll notice that with everything, but especially with an addictive substance. Did you find when, when you stopped drinking, did you crave different foods or did you stop craving certain foods? Yeah. Well, in the very beginning, one of the things I highly, highly recommend is to not try to combine quitting drinking with a big diet or overhaul. Uh, And that's for two reasons. One, hunger is a very big um, trigger to Mm -hmm. drink. I mean, that low blood sugar is very important, sort of maintaining a constant level. And the other thing is alcohol gives you a a pretty big dopamine Mm -hmm. spike and you're going to crave sugar in the beginning. So, you know, have you experienced this? Oh yes, for sure. Oh my gosh. It's like, oh, oh, like where, where are the ho-hos and the the tweets? And what I want to tell women is that is okay. It really is because it will not last forever, but you don't want, you know, part of me is like, okay, are you, and I used to do this, right? I would quit drinking and it was my favorite thing. So I'm like, well, if I'm already giving up my favorite thing, I might as well also lose 20 pounds and eat well Mm -hmm. and exercise every day. And it's too hard. So there is so much tied to our relationship with alcohol, emotionally, physically, um, and our habits that you need Mm -hmm. to give yourself some comfort and some reward. And food is okay because it will not last. And you will look better even if you eat the brownies and the cookies. You just 
will because you aren't realizing the degree to which you are in small portions or larger poisoning your body from the inside out. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're exactly right. What's what was your greatest fear when you uh <laughs> when you were yeah. trying to you know like decide should I do this? Like what was bubbling up for you the most? I mean, this was the first time I tried to quit drinking was 11 years ago. The last time I drank was eight years ago. And it was a bit of a different world, which I am so happy it's changing. And it's really changing with the younger generations, Gen Mm -hmm. Z and and millennials. Um, But one of my biggest fears was that if I stopped drinking, people would think I had a problem with alcohol, which is hysterical. Right. Yeah, right. Because I was drinking a lot. Everybody knew I was drinking a lot. Nobody told me to stop. But, yeah. you know, I was like, oh my gosh, if I stop drinking, people at work are going to think I have a problem. They're going to not, you know, I won't get promoted because I go out to the bar with my boss. Uh-huh. And I was like, yeah, I was tripping on my way home from a business dinner. So that was funny. Um, I also worried that I would go through life just feeling deprived and isolated and miserable. And what's interesting is I made more friends and on Facebook, mm-hmm. but this is just a measure of the degree to which my my friendships and my life expanded. I made more friends in my first year alcohol-free than I had made in the four previous years. Wow. Yeah. I was just about to ask you, did you end up losing friendships or ones that just kind of faded just because like you weren't, you know, joining in the same type of things that they were doing. Um, I, I was very lucky. I know a Mm. lot of people do. I had a really close circle of friends that I'd had for like 20 years. Um, we all drank together a lot, but there were about 12 of us. And I would say four of us were really the drivers on that. Mm. And they respected my choice. I would say that there are definitely three of them who still drink a lot, but they loved me. And so Mm -hmm. instead of going out for happy hour in the beginning, we went on walks, we went on, went to yoga. Um, a lot of my friends who I'd known for a long time actually were very happy. I remember talking to my very best friend since high school, um, when I was about 20 years 20 days alcohol-free. And I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. And Mm. she was like, I feel like I've finally gotten my best friend back. You know, the one I knew when you were 16. And that was amazing. Now I have to say that there were definitely people that I was like, I don't want to hang out with you. And I remember telling my husband, a bunch of my coworkers were going to downtown Seattle to have drinks. And I said to him, I was like, I don't even like hanging out with them when I'm drinking. I sure as hell don't want to hang out with them when I'm sober. <laughs> you know? So there were, there were people that I was just like, and, and I say this to my client uh, clients all the time. I'm like, if it's not going to be fun, if you're not drinking, maybe it's just not fun. You right. Yeah. Well, it kind of makes you think a little bit more, like be, become more mindful about your relationships, about your life. And because you're, you know, you're, you're not consumed with the addiction, then you do have more clarity. You are, you can kind of take a step back and look at your life and go, do I like this? Like, do I like, yeah. you know, 
makes you really think a little bit more. But there is this time period, and I sort of describe it as this time between no longer when your life is is really centered around happy hours and girls' nights and drinking. I used to have, you know, a party on my couch on Tuesday nights, you know, all by myself watching shows. But there is that time where after you get through the first couple of weeks, you're no longer sort of consumed with either drinking or trying to not drink. But also you haven't filtered in new things that you love. So you don't realize the degree to which you've made your life smaller in terms of habits and interests. Mm -hmm. And that time needs to exist, right? Because you need to wake up and notice and experiment. I know you talk about experimentation. Mm -hmm. What might I be interested in? What you don't have to love everything, but you, it takes a little bit of effort and then new things are going to filter in, right? I had no idea I wanted to go to coaching school. I had no idea I loved podcasting. I had no idea I was interested in entrepreneurship. I ran a 10K for the first time in six years. Like it takes a little while. Yeah. Well, it opens up a whole new world for you. Yeah. Yeah. And like you get reminded of your strengths and uh, what what really like sets your soul on fire. Yeah. Yeah. And you get, when you are trying to cut back on drinking, if you're like, this is not good for me, even Mm -hmm. if you don't drink a ton where you're like, this is a bad habit. It's getting too important to me. I don't like waking up in the middle of the Mm -hmm. night. I'm tired. I don't love how I look. And you try to stop. And it is hard to break that habit because of the society we live in and the substance working is designed. And you get into the habit of quitting on yourself, of saying, Mm -hmm. forget it. It's not worth it. I was overreacting. This, everyone drinks. This isn't a big deal. I deserve it. And you get in the habit of not doing what you said you were going to do. And that can Mm -hmm. really damage your confidence. Yes. Yep. And on the opposite end of it, when you actually do it, it's like, okay, I just did that. What else can I do? Right? A hundred percent. I remember I was two months sober and I had been telling myself for years, my new year's resolution was I'm going to cut back on drinking. I need to stop drinking. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to take care of my body. Um, just so people can appreciate this, that was my New Year's resolutions for years. Mm-hmm. My sobriety date is February 18th. So if that tells you, you know, if if it is February 1st and you meant to do this and it didn't stick, you can do this. And sometimes it just means getting more support in your life, finding a community. But um, it takes some time. But It was two months after I quit drinking and I was running a 10K. I remember it vividly because it was my son's eighth eighth birthday. And I went by myself in the Seattle spring, which meant it was not warm and rainy. And as I finished the 10K, I was almost in tears because the only thought running through my mind on repeat was, I am now a person who does what I said I was going to do. Oh, that brought tears in my eyes. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you're reinventing so many parts of your life that you don't even 
realize, like you set out with, okay, I'm just going to stop drinking. But then you became a wholly, totally different woman. Yeah. And it's okay if you don't know what you want to do when you stop drinking. I mean, my coach asked me, what do you love more than wine? When I was trying to stop drinking, I was like, I don't know, which sounds really sad, but it really does hijack your mind and your priorities. I was like, I love a lot of things, but I drink with almost everything I do in the evenings, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't enjoy working out because I don't always feel great. And my parenting is stressful and hard and probably harder because I had a hangover. Um, And my patience was short and I was just really looking forward to 6 p.m. So that it's okay to not know. It's okay to just trust that you want to see if your life is better without alcohol in it. And trust me, you get to a hundred days, no one's taking away the wine. It'll be there. Yeah. But give yourself the opportunity to see what's different. Yeah. And I think it's important to to point out that if you decide to do it, you know, if you're like, okay, I want to go sober for a while. You don't have to explain anything to anybody. You don't have to like, this is your thing. Like, I don't go explaining to people, hey, y'all, I'm going to start eating more salad. Like, I whatever. Yeah. Okay. Like, you don't have to keep explaining every single step that you do and why you're doing it. Of course, like if you might you know, it comes up in conversation with your best friend and of course your partner or something like that. Or yeah. your kids, great. But even still like, yep, this is what I'm doing. Like all it- I told people when I started, including my husband, including my best friends and my coworkers and my morning workout group was I am doing a hundred day, no alcohol challenge. And I had a sober coach. I didn't tell my husband for seven months that I I joined an online course. I, um, you know, did, did meetings twice a week, not, did not do a 12 step group at all. It was called hip sobriety school. It doesn't actually exist anymore, but, um, it was amazing and positive and empowering. And I didn't want to talk about it with anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to just make it your thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did, um, do you, do you recall what people had said like back then when they were starting like, Oh, you, you seem so much happier now. What are you, what are you doing? Or what are you drinking or not drinking? (laughs) It, it kind of cracked me up because first of all, my husband never thought I'd do it. Trust me. It was like, not the first time that I'd said that I'd probably said it a hundred times. Um, but I did tell him, Hey, for the first month I need no wine in the house. You know, I love it. If it's there, I'm going to want to drink it. Please don't bring wine home for me. You know, help me with this. Um, the, you know, which is not that unusual when you're trying to cut out sugar, you're like, dude, I can't have, you know, X, Y, Z in my house, ice cream in the fridge. And then, um, I was really proud of myself that I kept going. So I did, you know, pretty quickly start looking better. Like my face was less puffy. I was sleeping better. My eyes were brighter. I did end up losing a lot of weight. That didn't happen for everyone um, Mm -hmm. at all. I just started working out a lot more. Not at first. I did, you know, I love chocolate milkshakes in early sobriety, but um, I looked so much better to the point where my boss 
was like, damn, I'm going to do 30 days without alcohol, which (laughs) cracked me up because it had been something that was a struggle for me. I mean, I hired a sober coach. I joined a program. I'd been worried about it for a while. So the fact that she just was like, I want what you have cracked Mm -hmm. me up, you know? Do you ask yourself questions like, who am I? What is my purpose? Why am I living a life I don't love? Answers to these questions and more are revealed in the new Freedom at Midlife group coaching program, where I offer you a guaranteed roadmap to your own midlife makeover. In this powerful seven-week program, you will learn the seven steps to freedom method to help you discover who you want to become, what life you want to live, and most importantly, how to get there. Instead of being lost in life, miserable in menopause, or struggling to juggle it all, you could reignite your love life, retire that dreadful job, and reinvent yourself. So if you're ready to begin your midlife journey of transformation filled with accountability, guidance, and support, then the time is now. Your midlife needs you to make a move. The Freedom at Midlife program is opening for enrollment soon with limited spots available. To be the first to know when we are open for enrollment, please join the waitlist now at freedomatmidlife.com and you will soon discover that next courageous step in creating your epic second half of life. You know, I want to say too, um, I think I'd mentioned this to you in an email that I wrote a book once a long time ago. And it had to do with my brother and his addictions. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I said in the book is, and I would go to like the AA meetings and the Al-Anon meetings with him and is that I never liked, and this is not a knock on AA, this is not what I'm saying, but I never liked that each person would be like, hi, my name is Brian and I'm an alcoholic. And I was like, oh. Gosh, that's yeah. so. I don't. I I don't think I don't like the labels. Mm-hmm. I would have to say, because um, I feel like we're we are much more than our labels, and yeah. and if you've been you know drinking a little or a lot or whatever, just like give yourself permission, just love who you are. And, and it's okay. Like, I feel like sometimes we place these labels on ourselves, which of course leads to guilt and shame. And like, we need any of that crap. Right. So I would say remove the labels and just give yourself permission to love yourself and to make the changes that you need. And just like you said in the beginning, it's like making those healthy changes for your body. Think of it that way. Yeah. Instead of like putting yourself in another box, right? I could not agree with you more. In my mind, I, first of all, I'm a sober coach and eight years alcohol free, and I do not call myself an alcoholic. I did attend 11 years ago, um, a couple months of 12 step meetings, and it was not for me for very similar reasons. Uh, if anything that helps you stop drinking, if you're struggling, I support if you love 12 step meetings, if that identity helps you um, solidify the choice you're making, that is amazing. That said, it used to be the only path that people knew about and the world has exploded with people who are choosing to be alcohol free. It is not the only path. And also 
it was created almost 90 years ago by two Christian men. And it just, the world has changed. Alcoholic is not even a medical term. It is not a diagnosis. It is a self-identified label heavily associated with one particular program. Yep. Yep. You're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, the times, times are changing and, and you have choices, which is great. Like back then you didn't really have, like it was either AA or you're going into like a rehab, like a serious, like, you know, 28 day program or something like that. Well, the thought was if I am not an alcoholic, which by the way, nobody wants to be in that category due to the stigma, there's nothing to see here. And the truth Mm. is there is a spectrum of people who are, you know, it's called alcohol use disorder, like mm-hmm. many other things there, there are, you know, it's a spectrum of mild, moderate, and severe. Almost anyone who drinks on a regular basis is on that spectrum, but you can decide to prioritize your health and wellness and happiness yeah. at any time, you know, yeah. and people are no longer waiting. They really aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never been a like very, like the Monday starter type of person. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, what is today? Let's see. Well, today's February 1st. What day is that supposed to be? A Thursday? You can start on Thursday. You can start right now. Is it the Thursday? I think. But I'm right? Really, like, you don't Thursday. wait. Like, I feel like if you get that nudge, you know, that whisper from your soul, and it's like, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. Like, just yeah. do it. Go for it. And, and if that nudge is coming by listening to yeah. this podcast, like, go to my website. I have a guide mm-hmm. for your first month alcohol free. It is completely and totally free. And it will give you a lot of information that is a habit and behavior change approach and really centered around self-care and empowerment that will help you begin. So if you're listening to this and you're even curious, just go grab it. Yeah. And what's the worst that could happen, right? Like 30 days of sobriety, like, oh my God. And it's information. It's information. I feel like the more we learn about alcohol, the more we realize that, you know, we do things all the time. And I seriously have zero judgment about anyone who drinks. Mm-hmm. Most of my friends still drink. My husband drinks. Mm-hmm. We do things all the time that is not, are not good for our body. And, yep. and I respect that. But the news has just come out in the last five years that alcohol is, you know, drinking a bottle of alcohol a bottle of wine is the same cancer risk as smoking 10 cigarettes. And nobody wow. knows that. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. As, um, as a matter of fact, I was looking on your website, there was a really cool testimonial. It's like one of the first ones. And it says, I've had so many day ones years and years of them like okay i'm starting today i'm starting today and then she or he goes on to say i thought i'd be fighting this thing for the rest of my life mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the thing is that people will tell me even like oh i love drinking so much more than i love sobriety and i'm like okay what's the longest mm-hmm. period of time you've had without an alcohol in the last 2 years and they'll be like 7 days 16 days. And I'm like, yeah. you don't dislike sobriety. You dislike withdrawal mm-hmm. and that you are doing the hardest part over and over again on a groundhog day. Oh. Cycle. It gets so much easier. I think alcohol is like this magnet 
the mm-hmm. closer you are to drinking, the stronger the pull is on you. And as you get further away, you feel some, you know, someone said to me in, I have a membership group. Um, oh my God, it's day 17 and I, it's a Friday night. And I just realized I hadn't thought about drinking at all. Whereas three weeks ago, I would be at four o'clock being like, yep. I should drink. I really want to drink. I want to pick up a bottle of wine. Should I, shouldn't yep. I? Okay. I'll just have two glasses. You know, it just consumes so much of your mental energy. Yes. Yeah. Mental energy, physical energy. And, you know, I was thinking too, here at midlife, um, perimenopause and menopause, like it's hard enough as it is and alcohol makes it so much worse. Like you were talking about the effects with anxiety and And inflammation. Yes. Yep. Yep. And not only that, but the symptoms of burnout are very, very similar to the symptoms of drinking, um, and withdrawal and what it does to your body. And it can exacerbate that. And so, so many women, and I know myself as well, are struggling with burnout, right? With the Mm. endless responsibilities of their life. And if you are not sleeping well, if you are spiking your cortisol on a regular basis, if you are messing with your mood, I mean, it makes everything harder. I always think I work with almost exclusively high achieving women, um, a lot of moms, a lot of working moms. And, uh, you know, they're always like, why do I not have any discipline? And I'm talking to a mom like, do you know how much discipline you have to achieve everything you're doing in life? Keep all the balls in the air. And yeah. yet it's like you're running a marathon with a ball and chain tied to your ankle. Mm-hmm. Like you have discipline you don't realize how much harder you're making your life. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I know. It's almost like we're punishing ourselves. Whether we, we don't realize it. We think yeah. it's our reward. Yep. I know. Isn't that interesting? What was your, um, or maybe even still, I don't know. Like, what are you, what were your go-tos? Like, especially in those first 30 days of like, yeah. okay, really, really want a glass of wine. I kind of feel like just driving to the store right now. I had a rough day with the kids. What was your, like those techniques, whether like in your mind or maybe what you, how you set up the house, like what were, what were the things that you did so that you would not have that glass of wine? Absolutely. Well, the first thing I did is, is I got rid of the alcohol in my house. Um, And if you can't do that, at least get rid of your alcoholic beverage of choice. So Mm -hmm. my husband drinks beer. We had hard alcohol there. That was never my jam. But for other women, beer is an issue. Hard alcohol is an issue. They love gin and tonics. They love whatever, cosmopolitans. Um, So for me, it was wine, all wine. I needed it gone because um, if it was there, it was like the elephant in the room. It was sort of calling to me. And you're going to have a weak moment. You're going to have a stressful moment. Mm -hmm. I also um, told everyone. I told everyone I was taking a break from drinking because nobody was going to not notice that I was not drinking wine. Yeah. For the first month, I really, you know, we talk about creating a a sober bubble. Mm -hmm. So stay away from big drinking events, sort of alter your schedule. You're switching those boozy nights for these beautiful, quiet mornings and eat protein at 4 p.m. I mean, it sounds crazy, but setting an alarm to eat something so you are mm. not 
going into the witching hour, whether it's with your kids or cooking dinner or driving home from work when you're Mm -hmm. hungry, because that's when your willpower is at the lowest. The last thing I would Mm -hmm. say is find a community of like-minded people. And there are so many out there. Yeah. You know, like doing anything else, Mm -hmm. you need to one counteract all the messages around you. I mean, we are probably told or encouraged to drink a thousand times a day from um, jokes that people make at work to the TV Mm -hmm. shows you watch or the movies you watch to, you know, social media. And you Mm -hmm. need to become a part of community where the behavior you want to do is Mm -hmm. the behavior that it's celebrated. So where someone's like, oh my gosh, I just hit 30 days and I feel so much better. You hear that message and you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I want to see what that feels like. Or someone's like, I went out to dinner with another couple and it was awkward at first, but then I ordered a non-alcoholic mojito and I realized that I was so much more engaged in the conversation and I didn't eat the shit I normally ate and I could drive home and I got up this morning and went for a run. I mean, that you're like, okay, you're not, this is going to suck. They're going to judge me. I'm miserable. You know, you're changing that. Yeah. What did you call it about the bubble? Little sober bubble? Sober bubble. Sober bubble. Like baths, books, go to bed early, you know, like choose, think of this as a time of truly taking care of taking care of your body and your emotions for the first time in a very long time. And that doesn't mean that it's going to stay like that. I feel no. right. Like, I mean, after a while when you're like, okay, don't even crave it anymore. Then you can go to the parties and not be yeah. tempted. That doesn't yeah, mean like, I, you can't, right. I mean, it's just, I go to bars often. They're mm-hmm. non-alcoholic options, you yep. know, including like travel to Amsterdam. There are incredible mm-hmm. non-alcoholic beers. I've been to Mexico you know, yep. coffee on the beach when it's deserted in the morning, best thing ever going for a walk. You know, you can get non-alcoholic beverages. You can be in drinking, yeah. but in the beginning, it's really hard. So mm-hmm. give yourself the opportunity to not have to white knuckle it or use willpower so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so many different ways and, and people like you that are making a difference and providing communities like that. Thank yeah, you. I love it. Uh, what about your program? You've got your big, what's yeah, it called? Like, I, I wrote it down and I forgot. It's called the Sobriety Starter Kit program. And so I have a free guide for your first month. And then I have a big program that takes you step by step by step through from your first two weeks to six months and beyond and helps you through, you know, talking to people about why you're not drinking, dealing mm-hmm. with overwhelm, what to do on your first weekend, what to do if, you know, you're in the mommy wine culture or you're in the, hey, working, drinking is how you bond with your colleagues and how to go on vacation and a whole bunch of other stuff. And then I also have a private group of women that where we support each other and I'm in their everyday coaching, coaching Mm -hmm. them and helping them really make this a very positive, empowering move in their lives. Wow. So awesome. Yeah. And then the podcast too, I'm sure so many good things on there. 
Oh yeah, I have 200 episodes on, and it's not just about not drinking. It is about what all women in midlife struggle Mm. with. So perfectionism, marriage, raising children, Mm -hmm. um, how to deal with anxiety. Um, We have so many reasons that we turn to alcohol as a coping mechanism. And like you, it's about getting underneath that. We have episodes on alcohol and perimenopause and burnout, Mm. Um, how to navigate all the reasons you drank with healthier coping mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this, this, uh, this topic like really hits home for me, like literally just having been raised in a family of addiction. So, and I mean, I've seen the worst of the worst, unfortunately. Um, so I mean, yeah, no. And actually it's, I've always said like my greatest teacher in my life, I'll try to say this without crying is my brother. Um, because I mean, he, he passed away at 49 of addiction. Oh my gosh. And yeah. And, but you know what though? Like I kind of like going back to the labels, uh, that I was talking about earlier, I'll never forget. Like this was like one of those huge pivotal moments in my life, in my heart and in my soul. I can remember he was in a coma and I walked in the hospital room And for the first time I saw him as just a human being, being human, a soul with a body, not a body with a soul. And all the labels that even I placed on him, like they were just gone. And I had so much empathy for him, which in turn allowed me to have so much more empathy for myself and loving people for who they are beyond all the labels and the bullshit and everything else. And so, yeah, it's, I feel like addiction can teach you a lot about yourself and about life if you let it. Yeah. The other thing I would say is, is there is no question that it's progressive, meaning that the more that you drink, the harder it is to get away from it. It goes from a Mm -hmm. habit to emotionally bonded with it, to a coping mechanism, to a physical addiction. And by the way, if you are physically addicted to it and you are going to stop, please, please, please talk to your doctor about it. It can be incredibly Mm -hmm. dangerous physically, but the earlier you Mm -hmm. stop, the yeah. easier it is. And there also is no question that alcohol can um, kill you eventually. Yeah. I mean, absolutely, yeah. it very much damages your body. And so many women during the pandemic, and it's carried through, started drinking more and more to the point where binge drinking among women during 2020 spiked 41%. Yes. And Isn't that crazy? I read that, that stat somewhere. Yeah. And the year after, so 2021, typically the death rate from alcohol-related causes for women was growing about two to three percent each uh-huh. year. Mm. After after the pandemic, towards the end of it, it's like 25 percent in a single wow. year. So, um, what's interesting too is that the population that is drinking the most among women are those with the highest, you know degrees, educationally, Mm -hmm. 
highest income socioeconomically, the uh, highest status job. And, you know, it's seen as a sign of sophistication. I mean, I was always like, oh, I'm a classy drinker. I I only drink red wine, good red wine. It's it was crap. You know what I mean? Like it. I saved $550 my first month not drinking. I mean, it was incredible. I was just like, which was awesome. Good Morning America called me because I put in some article with CNBC that I had saved $48,000 not drinking, which is 100% true over eight years. Um, I have my 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 drinking tracker. Now, my husband will tell you I've spent that on trips to <laughs> Mexico and retreats on, you know, on yeah. yoga retreats and all the non-alcoholic beverages. But I'm like, it is accurate that I've saved that much money not drinking. Yeah, it's true. But it does add up and you can use those yeah. funds to invest in personal development and adventure and self-care. Yeah. It's this awesome like domino effect, right? Like you knock down that first domino of like becoming sober and then boom, like your health improves, boom, you're saving money. You're like all like your relationships improve, like so much stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Oh, it's been so nice to talk to you. Thank you for having me on to talk about this. I, I kind of want everyone to know that if you are worried about how much you're drinking, or if you're reading the stuff about the impact on your health and want to see how good you can feel without it, it does not have to define your life. It does not have to be the biggest deal in your world. It can literally be, Hey, I'm doing a hundred day, no alcohol challenge to see if I sleep better and my anxiety decreases and I'm more consistent in exercise and all that good stuff. And you will notice the difference. I have no doubt. Mm, that was a, those were great closing words there. I was, I was like that. Matter of fact, we're going to take the very end of that. And we're putting that into the intro audio of the show. I was like, it's perfect. I got to remember that. Um, last question. Where can we find you? Oh, thank you very much. Well, my podcast is called the Hello Someday Podcast for Sober Curious Women. So anywhere you're listening to this podcast, you can look me up. Uh, My website is Hello Someday Coaching, and there you will find my guide to your first month alcohol-free, and you can find my sobriety starter kit program. Ah, love it. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everyone have a great day. Did this podcast inspire you, challenge you, trigger you to make a change, or spit out your coffee laughing? Good. Then there are three ways you can thank me. Number one, you can leave a written review of this podcast on Apple iTunes. Number two, you can take a screenshot of the episode and share it on the social media and tag me, Wendy Valentine. Number three, share it with another midlifer that needs a makeover. You know who I'm talking about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Get out there and be bold, be free, be you.